here in the book of Acts, we see the growth of the early church. Uh, we see people who are on fire for God. They're doing great things. We see people who are meeting daily. They're studying the scriptures. People spreading the gospel in the midst of persecution. We see a lot of persecution happening to the early church. We see uh, Saul, who's doing this perse- persecution. We see the conversion of Paul. We see, we see a great thing. We see the, the, the works that uh, Paul is doing. We see the gospel being preached in prisons. We see people being freed from prison. We see the gospel being preached to officials. We see it being preached to uh, politicians. We see thousands of people getting saved. And it all hinges on what God had sent them to do. He said that they were to go. Acts 1.8, it says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He had commanded to them that they, they were to go. Matthew 28, another uh, one of the verses of the Great Commission. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So they were commanded to go. But we see by the authority and the power of the Lord. They weren't sent in their own strength. They weren't sent in their own abilities. But Jesus said, based upon my power and my authority, you are to go. You are to preach. You are to baptize. You are are to teach all nations. Go ye therefore, go, I am with you always. Go to the uttermost, because I will be with you to the ends of the earth. You know, what exciting times that these these disciples of Jesus Christ were going through. Going forth preaching Jesus Christ. So could you imagine not that long ago, they had seen their Savior being put to death. He's, He's died upon the cross, but then he's risen again. And then... They see him ascending to heaven, and he he says, Look, you are to go for me. You're supposed to teach. You're supposed to preach me, but I'm sending you in my power. You know, how exciting that is. Just just what was happening to see their risen Savior and to serve him once again. And they would let nothing get in their way as you read through Acts. You can see this. In Acts 6, uh, in verse 7, we see that the apostles are getting busy with the preaching of the word. So they seek out seven men who were to be filled with the Spirit. They were supposed to be faithful to help with the work, to go and take care of those in the church. And we read about some of these people, and we read about Stephen, this man who's full of faith, the Bible says. He, was, uh, he, he stood for truth. And just like in Jesus, when he was, uh, in Jesus' ministry, when he was, uh, preaching, there was people who weren't pleased with that. And the religious people of the day didn't like Stephen's message being preached, just as they did with Jesus. You know, they had thought, okay, Jesus has been put to death, and they were pleased with that. But then they hear of the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they hear these other apostles and disciples preaching the message of Jesus Christ, and they weren't happy with this. But here are these men that God is using, and they're preaching Jesus Christ, and they're being faithful, and they're filled with the Spirit. And even in the midst of all the persecution that they're going through, they continue to serve. And we know what happens to Stephen 
we see the, those who are listening to him, those who he's preaching to, he, they set him up and he eventually is stoned for preaching the truth. And we know the men, they laid their coats at the feet of a man named Saul. And he's the one who we'll see in, uh, later, right after that. He, he's leading, it says that he was wreaking havoc in the, in the church and in, in the homes of people who are Christians, who are believers. And as you read through Acts and all these things are happening, you think that these, ev- these events would be deterrent to the others, those who were trying to serve. But it was quite the opposite, what was happening. Um, they, they continued to preach Jesus Christ. And the Lord knew, and he knew what was happening. And he was using these faithful men to further the gospel. He says, Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost. You know, amazing things were happening, happening in Jerusalem at that time. And the, the church was growing by leaps and bounds. People were being saved and baptized, added to the church. But this, this uh, persecution that they were going through, as many of us, we look at that as a negative, but really that was a catalyst to inject these people into Judea, to, to move out of Jerusalem, and to go to Samaria, and to preach to these uttermost places. God used this persecution to further his gospel. As we read this morning, Isaiah, his wor- word shall not return void. He was the, the preaching was continuing on. So we see these faithful men, even in the midst of persecution. And let me ask you, are we being faithful today? You know, we look at the persecution that they're going through, people being taken from their homes, throwing in the jail, people losing their life. Can we say of ourselves that we are being faithful? And we see some of the things that are going on, and especially in the States, and uh, the, the government's hand pushing down on the churches, are we continuing to be faithful during these days that we're living in, in the midst of what's going on in the world? Are we faithful? Is your faith growing? Is it being put to work? Are we faithful in reaching other people? You know, we keep hearing that phrase, the new normal. You know, well, as a, as a believer, what's our spiritual new normal? Are we saying, well, this is a time to just sit back, relax, you know, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to watch church if I don't want to, or I don't have to go to church if I don't want to. No one's going to know. But are you, are you being faithful in these times? Are you continuing to walk and talk with the Lord, read the word? Are you continuing to, uh, to reach other people with the gospel? You know, this was not the attitude of the men that we read about in the book of Acts who are going through this persecution. Their faith grew. It was put to the test. They were persecuted and they were scattered, and yet still they didn't shy away. They continued to preach the gospel. They continued to fulfill the great commission that God had given to them. So we read about Philip. Uh, we hear about him in Acts 6, if you're the read Acts, where they choose out the seven men who were the help and serve. He was one of those men. And we already know that those men, they were supposed to be faithful. They were supposed to be spirit-filled. So we already know a bit about Philip's character. He had already proven himself before he was chosen. You know, he didn't just volunteer for the job and raise his hand and say, okay, time to be faithful, time to be spirit-filled, time to be a servant. No, he was already those things. He was already faithful. He was already spirit-filled. He was already a servant. He was already someone who cared for people that they were able to choose him to take care of those needs in the church. 
So this morning, we're going to examine here Philip, the faithful preacher. And I want you to notice a few things with me this morning about Philip. And first of all, I want you to notice where Philip preached. Where Philip preached. In Acts chapter 8, we're in Acts chapter 8, and we're going to be reading verses 5 to 8 right now. Acts chapter 8, verse number 5, the Bible says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and, had, and many taken with palsies, and, and that were lame, uh, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So we see, as we had mentioned, people were being forced out of Jerusalem by this persecution that Saul, as he was wreaking havoc upon the church. But we see that Philip continued his work in Samaria where he fled to. And Samaria was north of Jerusalem. And in Samaria, the Samaritans, they were thought of as, uh, they, they were racially half-breeds. They weren't pure Jews. Uh, they were religiously, they were married to other people, so they, they, they didn't uh, truly worship the way that the Jews were worshiping. So in that day, Philip was going to a place where there was a lot of racial tension. That, that would have been a place where uh, it, it, it would have been felt very insecure for him to go there as a Jew trying to preach to Samaritans. You know, it was a kind of mutual feeling of emotions between the Jews and the Samaritans. They felt unwanted and the Jews felt superior to them. So here Philip is in this place. There's tension between the people. But Philip's in Samaria and he is tasked with preaching the gospel. And you say, well, he fled. He was there to hide. You know, he could have just waited till things blew over. But that was not the case. He was commanded to go. He had been commissioned to go and preach the gospel. You know, there was no small print where God said, okay, go preach the gospel when you face persecution, when you're hiding, don't worry about it. No, he was commanded to go in the power and authority of the Lord. And Philip did just that. He preached to the Samaritans. He put aside all cultural difference. He put aside any ethnic uh, difference. He put aside the fact that they believed differently, and he preached to them. You know, sometimes we can allow those things to get in the way of us sharing the message. We might say, well, they believe different, or their culture is different, or, or they, their, their religious beliefs are so different that they're not going to want to hear what we have to, to share with them. But it didn't matter to Philip that there was division among the people groups, and that he just knew that they needed to hear the gospel. And if anything is going to unify people, listen, it's going to be Jesus Christ. You know, the world that we live in, it doesn't need programs or grants or activists speaking out. What the world needs is Jesus Christ. And Philip was willing to put aside all things. He was willing to put aside all prejudice to preach Jesus Christ. And as believers today, we need to be willing to put aside all things to preach Jesus Christ. No matter the cultural difference, no matter the religious difference, no matter the racial difference, they need Christ. And we need to put those things aside, those, those barriers that we try to put in place to, to keep our distance. We need to tear those walls down because we have been given by the authority of, of God to preach the gospel. And this is what Philip did. He was in Samaria. He preached 
in Samaria. He, he was a caring person. That was his character, and he was faithful in reaching these people and reaching out to them and putting aside all those barriers. So we see that he preached in Samaria, but then we see that later on in Acts chapter 8 that he preached in the desert. He went to the desert. Verse number 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. He arose and went. So we see here that Philip, he's directed to go to the desert. So here Philip is. He had just seen this great work in Samaria. From all accounts that we see in, in, in the scriptures reading through Acts, there was many times that thousands were saved. We don't know how many were saved in Samaria, but we see that they responded in a great way. He had a very successful ministry. We see that there was great joy in that city with what was going on. So we see that they were receptive to the preaching. It says that they listened with one accord. So a multitude of people had been saved. They were excited. We see that they were baptized, so we know that they were committed believers. They weren't just making decisions, but they were committing their lives, saying, look, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and they were being baptized. You know, thinking of Philip and this ministry, as he started this new ministry and the success that was there, you think, hey, why not to stay here? Let's, let's start a church here. Let's start a work here. Let's, and as we see, um, as the apostles heard that the, the gospel had reached Samaria, that they sent, uh, I believe, Peter and John to, to Samaria to help. And, you know, things could have happened there. But we see that he was told to go to the desert. And he listened. It says, and he went. He could have lived the success he had seen. You know, it wasn't his success, but God had used him as an instrument to reach these people. But we see that the command was, Philip, go to the desert, and he went. He obeyed. He listened to the Lord. You know, it's so easy for us as believers to question God. You know, God tells us to do something. He commands us to do something, and we say, why? You know, what? Who? Where? What do you mean? Are you sure, God, this doesn't line up with what I want to do? But we see as Philip, he was so obedient in serving God that God says, hey, Philip, leave Samaria. Leave those people that were just saved. Leave this successful ministry and go to the desert. He didn't even know why yet. He just said, go to the desert. And it says, and he arose and went. You know, sometimes God opens a door of opportunity to you to very unlikely places. Maybe someone who's already a minister to use them somewhere else. Back in college, and even before I was in college, I remember hearing of a missionary, Eddie Ray, to China. And we support his one, one of his sons, to, who's in a missionary in China right now. Um, and I went to college with uh, two of his sons, so I got to know them. And I went on a mission trip to China in 2009, and I got to get to know him better. And he was just telling me more of his story of, uh, of how he got to China. Well, Pastor Ray, he was a pastor already. He had a church. He was ministering to these people. He was a faithful pastor, shepherding his people. And he was reading a book, a biography on Hudson Taylor, missionary to China. And as you get through the book, there, it, it, it uh, it uh, challenges you to pray for China, challenges you to pray for someone to go to China. 
And Pastor Ray began to do that. He said, you know what, Lord, will you raise someone up? Will you raise people to go to China? And that was his prayer. You know, he's saying, you know, he was following the Lord. He was being faithful. He was pastoring. But he said, Lord, send someone to China. Well, the Lord began to push on his heart. You know, this pastor down in Tennessee, country boy, thick accent, you know, total opposite of what you'd find in China. And the Lord began to impress on his heart. And he ended up leaving that ministry, passing it on, took his family, moved them to China, and he's a missionary uh, there to this day. And all his sons are now missionaries to China. They're all fluent in the language. You know, it's, it's funny. When they speak, they say if they were to talk on the phone, they would think that they're a native uh, to China. But as soon as they come back to the States, they have their thick Tennessee accent. But God has t- called them from their place that they were serving in successful ministry, and they called them to somewhere unlikely. And that's what God did with Philip here. And he says, Philip, go to the desert. And he went, he disobeyed. And God was using him. And as much as God used Philip in Samaria to, to see a great work done, God called him to a desert for a very specific person, for, a, for an individual. So he saw many people reach in Samaria, but then God called him to this individual. You know, God cares about individuals. God cares about each and every one of us. Isn't that an amazing thing? And God sent him there to reach this person. So he went, uh, he went to Samaria, then he went to the desert, and then later on, as we, we probably won't get to there today, but uh, after he uh, went to this uh, Ethiopian eunuch, as we'll see, he was sent to um, Asathus, uh, and he traveled from there to uh, Caesarea, and he traveled about 100 kilometers along the coastline. And you know what the Bible says? That he preached all the way to where he was going. So God said, go preach. Go and preach. And you know what Philip did? He preached. He didn't take a break. He didn't wait for instruction. He had a command to go, and he did. And you know, if you're here today and you're a believer, oftentimes the Spirit leads us to places. It leads us to someone, puts someone in our path, and the, the Spirit says, you know what, you need, to, you need to talk to them. Or you need to help them out. You know, maybe you see someone on the side of the road and the Lord just pushes on your heart and says, you know what, you should stop and help them out. And maybe that's an opportunity to, to, to witness to them. But you know what? We don't always have the, the Spirit's touch every time because we pass people every day. We pass people every single day. We see people in the stores. And we know what the Word of God says. It says that the Lord's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we've been commanded to go and to preach. So we don't always need to wait upon the Spirit to say, you know what, go speak to that person. The, the Lord might impress upon you, but we have a command that we need to go, and we need to go preach and share the gospel with the lost. God said, go preach, and Philip was faithful in preaching everywhere that he went. You know, we see someone like Philip, and he he was part of the church in Jerusalem, and he was part of that ministry, and he went to Samaria, and he's preaching to the multitudes. And I think often we get comfortable in our church, and we, we say, you know what, as a church, we need to reach our community, and that's a great thing. And we do our best as a church to do that. And uh, we, we raise some money, and we have some tracts ordered, uh, 25,000 tracts ordered, and we're going to be mailing those out. And then we have some campaigns online trying to get people to watch our service so they can hear the gospel and that, listen, that's great. That's amazing that you're able to give. And as a church, we're able to mail out these gospel tracts. But God's commission to reach 
isn't just to us as a church, but to us as individuals. It's a personal responsibility to witness to the lost. You know, just as we're going to see as Philip is sent to this single person, this individual, the Lord places people in our lives, and we come across people in our lives that no one else will be able to reach other than you. So we have a personal responsibility to witness to the lost. So we see faithful, he is, or uh, sorry, Philip was faithful in preaching. We see where he preached. But we also see to whom he preached, to whom Philip preached. So we already touched base uh, on this, about the Samaritans, who they were, and he, he tore down those barriers and, and just looked at the fact that they needed Jesus and preached to them. But after he's called to the desert, we see that he preaches to the Ethiopian eunuch. In verse number 27, the Bible says, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture where he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself? or of some other man. So we see Philip finally arrives and uh, actually read, I gave you a slide to put up with the map, if you could get that up there. If you see Samaria where, um, where Philip had been, he traveled all the way back to Jerusalem and headed towards Gaza, if you see that green line. And he traveled a great distance from where he was to go and reach this man. So he finally travels this way. He goes uh, to, uh, towards Gaza, and he finds this chariot, and he meets up with this Ethiopian eunuch. Thank you, Reed. So we see this, this, this Ethiopian that Philip comes across, and we see several things about him. So we see that he was of importance. He wasn't a, a common slave. We see that he had power. We see that um, he was a eunuch of great authority under Candace of the Ethiopians. And this area of Ethiopia is different than what we would see as a nation today, but rather it was a region that was just south of Egypt. But he had power. He was under the authority of this queen of the Ethiopians, and he was uh, in charge of all her treasure. So he had power. We see that he had wealth. We see that he rode in his chariot. He rode his own chariot. We see that he came to Jerusalem just to worship. He had traveled to Jerusalem just to worship. He was able to take that time. We see that he had a scroll of his own, of Isaiah. That was costly in those days. It wasn't just like uh, books that were printed uh, uh, just very cheaply. You know, I, you can go to my office right now and you, I, I can give you one of five Bibles if you need a Bible. We all have, I'm sure we all have several Bibles. 
But in those days, it was a very costly thing to have scripture. So we see he was able to afford this scroll. We see that he was educated. You know, not all servants, not all slaves were able to work educated. But we see he was educated enough to read. To read the scriptures. And you know what? Someone like this, you come across someone like this, you know, culturally different, ethnically different, they have power, they have wealth. You know, that could, that could be intimidating to Philip. You know, maybe he was thinking, could something happen to Stephen like that happened to Stephen happened to me? Maybe I say something wrong. Maybe he doesn't like what I say. Does he have the power for something like this to happen? Will he be receptive? So we see that this eunuch, he was important, but we also see that he was busy. The eunuch was busy. We see that he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, and he was sitting in his chariot reading the prophet Isaiah. So he was already traveling. Maybe he was tired, and he was reading. And here Philip is approaching this man, and maybe he's saying, hey, look, this guy's busy. He's traveling. He doesn't, he doesn't want to stop. He doesn't want to listen. But he had to enter into this conversation with this man that the Spirit said, go talk to him. He didn't have to worry about offending him or making, being an inconvenience to him. But rather, he looked at, okay, the Lord is leading me to him, and he needs to hear the gospel Message. He entered into the conversation with him. So despite the fact that he was busy, he still needed to reach out to him. You know, as believers, as, as anyone who's trying to reach someone and be a witness to them, we can never say, look, I don't want to inconvenience someone. Listen, if anything, we want to be the biggest inconvenience ever with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with someone's soul who's facing an eternity away from God, an an eternity in hell, we want to be an inconvenience to people and say, look, this is what Jesus Christ has done for you. So we see that he was important. He was busy. We see that he was religious. He was religious. So here's this eunuch, and we know that he has some concept of worshiping God. Maybe he, he... he had heard the message. He, he knows that something that he, he, he wants. So we see that he travels all the way from this re- region of Ethiopia. He travels by chariot all the way to Jerusalem to worship. And he's come to the most religious city on the earth. And look what happens. He comes away empty-handed. There's nothing there for him. He leaves and he's still confused. He doesn't know what's what what he's reading, he, he's confused. He hasn't been satisfied. He's still spiritually hungering. And isn't that the truth of religion today? You know, you can go on a spiritual journey. You can meditate all you want. You can, you can do all the things, religiously speaking, that you want to, but you're still going to come up empty-handed. You know, religion doesn't equal a relationship. And religion is all about what you can do rather than trusting what Christ has done for you. So we see that he was religious, and he's sitting there empty-handed still, no concept, understanding of what Jesus Christ had done for him. So let me ask you, maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, and you're like this eunuch, this, this servant of the queen of Ethiopia, and you say, well, you know what, I'm important, 
I have wealth, I have a job, I have a position, I'm good enough, I have everything I need. Listen, that, that, that Ethiopian eunuch, he had all the things he needed, he had wealth, he can go wherever he wanted, he can afford to buy a scroll, he can afford to travel, yet still, he was spiritually dead, he still needed a savior. And maybe today you think, well, I'm good enough. Well, the Bible tells us, and we'll look at it uh, shortly, that we're not good enough. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and we're in need of a Savior. Or maybe you think, well, I'm too busy. I don't have time for church. I don't have time for religion. I don't have time to, uh, to make a change. You know, the Bible doesn't call for us to do that. The Bible calls for us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. James 4.14 says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Listen, you don't have the luxury of time. You don't know when the end of your line will be, when you enter into eternity, and you'll either be in the presence of the Lord, or be separated in the fires of hell. Listen, don't be too busy today. Take time. You know, if you're watching today, or if you're here today, Take this opportunity. Hear what the Word of God says, what Jesus Christ has done for you. Or maybe you say, well, I'm already religious, like that eunuch. And like I said, religion's empty. He traveled all that way to worship and to, to, uh, to hear what he can hear from uh, where he was going, but he was still empty. It was all in vain. And religion is just that thing. It's vain. There's nothing there. The works that we can do add up to nothing. Nothing we can do can get us to attain salvation. It's all empty. So like that eunuch, he had to put all those things aside. And thankfully, we have Philip who was faithfully preaching to him. He was preaching to this eunuch. So we see where he preached, to whom he preached. But last, I want you to notice who Philip preached. Who Philip preached. Verse number 35 here in our passage. Acts chapter 8, verse 35, the Bible says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. He began at the same scripture. Here is this eunuch. He's in uh, the prophet Isaiah, he's in, in chapter 53 according to uh, our uh, breakdown of the scripture today. And Philip preaches Jesus. He wasn't preaching himself. He wasn't preaching works. He wasn't preaching his ministry. No, he was preaching Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're here today and you're a believer, you're saved, you can preach Jesus Christ. You can preach what Jesus Christ has done for you. You can preach the change that he's made. And you can preach what Jesus Christ can do for them as well. You know, we may not have all the answers, but we can tell people what Jesus has done for them, what he's done for us. And Philip does this. He takes the scripture and he, and he explains this portion of scripture, Isaiah 53. And um, I'm going to read a portion of where he was. Isaiah 53, verse 3, it says, He is despised and rejected a man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we, hit, and we hid, as it were, our faces for him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bare, uh, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes 
we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. So Philip here takes the time and he explains to him this prophecy in Isaiah that uh, he was reading about, and he was able to tell him about Jesus Christ and what he had done. It says that he was rejected of men. Jesus Christ came to this earth, born in a major, born as a human, but yet still fully God, and his people rejected him. We see that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. It says, with his stripes, where he died upon the cross, he was beaten, and he paid the price for our sins. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one into his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Listen, we, we've all sinned. We've all fo- fallen short of the glory of God. You know, God is a holy God, and because of that, sin must be punished. But we see that he paid the price for our sins. It says, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. In the New Testament, it says, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's an amazing verse. God died for us while we were yet sinners. He paid the price for us because he loved us. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, he opened not his mouth, he was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. You know, the Lord willingly paid the price for us, and he died on the cross for us, that we might have salvation. And you can have that salvation today too. And you can preach that message too. So we see that Philip preached Jesus Christ, and that's what was important to him. He was faithful. He didn't care about who he was preaching to or where he was preaching. And whatever barriers were in the way, he just knew, I need to preach Jesus Christ. And this faithful servant, this faithful preacher, Philip, he made a great impact for what he had done for being faithful. So we see that Philip, he served in Jerusalem. He was part of that ministry there. <coughs> He was part of that ministry, and he was one of the chosen men to to serve along the church people and the widows and to take care of them. We see that he preached in Samaria. He had gone there, and, and we see people are being saved, people are being baptized. We see that once the apostles had heard about uh, the, the gospel reaching Samaria, that they sent Peter and John there to assist. And then we see uh, in chapter 8 as well, uh, verse number 25, it says, And they went, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So Peter and, they, and John, they, they go back to Jerusalem, and now they're going to these Samaritan villages. They're preaching to them. Philip had opened that door. <clears throat> so he had served in Jerusalem. He had preached in Samaria. And then we see that he preached to the Ethiopian eunuch. He had spoken to this man of influence, this man who we see he accepts Jesus Christ. In verse number uh, 37, or 36, sorry, it says, And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So we see that he believed. 
And just a little note here, if you are to read many of the modern versions today, verse number 37 is missing. They take that right out of the scriptures, that we need to believe in Jesus Christ, and that after we believe, that there's a step of being baptized. It's not part of salvation. So we see that the eunuch believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He was saved. So Philip was able to witness to this man. He followed this the, the Spirit's leading, he witnessed to him, he's saved. This man of influence, this man who's going to where? He's going back to Ethiopia, to this new region south of Egypt. A man of influence who's now saved. No, indirectly, Philip is reaching, just as the Lord commanded, Jerusalem. He's reaching into Samaria. He's reaching into the uttermost because he's being a faithful preacher. And then we see as he's miraculously uh, taken away over uh, along the coastline, and as he, as he travels up the coastline, he's preaching along the coast. He was commanded to go. Go. Go ye therefore. Go in the power of the Lord. Go because I am with you. Go to the uttermost because I am with you. Philip was a faithful preacher, and he made a huge impact literally everywhere he went and even into the uttermost because of who he was dealing with, who he had spoken to. Going forth, preaching Jesus Christ. And we read stories like this in the book of Acts. We read about people like Philip. We say, that's amazing. And like I mentioned, Acts, if you want to be motivated by doing work for the Lord, read in the book of Acts how God used these people and did amazing things. And you read about uh, thousands of people being saved and you say, wow, that's great. But let me tell you something. These people, these men who were excited about serving a risen Savior, listen to me, we're serving the same risen Savior today. We've been sent in his power and his authority today to preach his message, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, we could be excited about serving Christ today. We could be excited about God using us today, but we need to be faithful in preaching, faithful in sharing the gospel message. Listen, God can use us, but we need to be faithful. Listen, these people that we read about in the early church, they were on fire for God. They were meeting daily. They were studying the scriptures together. They were faithful. And in the midst of all the persecution that they are facing, God used these faithful men. So let me ask you today, in the midst of the world that we live in today, and so much changes are happening, and we have no idea when anything's going to end, let me ask you, are you being faithful today? And we say, well, we just need to take it easy right now. We just need to sit back, let things blow over. No, God has commanded us. His command has not changed. As the world changes, God's word doesn't change. And God doesn't change. And our faithfulness to God shouldn't change either. Listen, we serve a risen Savior and we're sharing his message. But we need to be faithful. We need to be a faithful witness. We need to continue on. We shouldn't give up. You know, we hear about people who have opposed the gospel message for years. You know, I met several people like that who said, I've, I rejected the gospel for years. My wife witnessed to me for years. People shared the gospel with me for years, and I always rejected the gospel message. And to those of you who are in that situation, that's discouraging. You say, well, is there any point? You say, what's the point of me sharing that message? They've already rejected it. But listen, don't give up. Don't give up hope. 
in the Word of God. As I read this morning in Isaiah 55, the, God's Word does not return void. Plant that seed and people will water it. Be faithful in our witness. You know, you talk to some of these people who say, you know, I rejected the gospel for years and years and years. They'll be the first people to tell you, don't give up. Don't stop witnessing. Don't stop preaching the message. Don't stop telling your family about it. Be faithful. You know, maybe someone's already planted a seed in someone's life and God, just like the Ethiopian eunuch, God has put him in a position where he's saying, Philip, go and speak to him. He had already had the scriptures. He had already traveled to Jerusalem. There was already a seed planted and Philip was there to water. Listen, you don't know what seed you plant, who's watering it. And you don't know who's already planted a seed that you may be watering upon that. But we know that God will always give the increase. His word will not return void. Listen, don't give up on people. As believer here today, be faithful. In the world that we live in today, be faithful. God's word has not changed. His commands have not changed. But we need to continue to serve him. We need to continue... Continue to be faithful to church. We need to be continue to be faithful in our relationship with Him and in our witness to our world. Be faithful today. Be like Philip, the faithful preacher. Or maybe today you're like that eunuch. You're seeking. Listen, you can know Jesus today. We speak about a risen Savior, about serving Him. You can know that risen Savior today who died for you just like Philip shared with that eunuch in Isaiah as a sheep before, uh, before the slaughter. He died for us. He took upon us all of our iniquities. He paid the price for our sins so we don't have to pay the penalty. So we might have the hope of eternal life in heaven one day. But we need to believe upon him. And we'd love nothing more than to share that with you, how you can know, based upon the word of God, how you can be saved today by your belief upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray this morning. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for you. We're thankful for your life that you gave for us, that you died upon the cross so we might have salvation, that you paid the price for our sins, Lord, so we don't have to pay the penalty. We're thankful for your word, Lord, that we can know that. We can know what you've done for us. And Lord, we're thankful for your word that we can be encouraged by those who have gone before us, Lord, those who are faithful, those who served. And I pray, Lord, today as anyone here who's a believer who hears this message, Lord, that they would examine their lives, Lord, and look and say, am I being faithful? Am I faithful today? Am I being the witness I need to be today? Am I sharing the gospel message like the word commands us to do? And Lord, I pray that we would just be all be a desire in our hearts, Lord, to be more faithful. No matter what happens in our life, no matter the what's going on in our world today, that we can be faithful, Lord, because your word doesn't change. You don't change, Lord, and our faith shouldn't fail fail during the, the world that we live in. And Lord, I pray that if there's one here today, one who's watching that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, they don't know that heaven is their home, Lord, I pray that you'd work in their heart, Lord. I pray that today they'd make that decision, that they wouldn't be too busy, that they wouldn't hold on to religion or, or power or position, Lord, but they'd realize that they have hope in you, that they'd take the time today, Lord, to ask the questions, to, to, to uh, seek uh, your word and to find out what your word says, how they can know that they have eternal life, that they can believe on the name of the Son of God. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to bless the rest of this day, uh, continue to bless our time 
the remainder of this morning. And Lord, I pray that we just continue to be focused on you. And I pray as we come, uh, as we meet again this evening online, as we take a time together as a church, Lord, that we just uh, focus on, on the importance of praying for one another, praying for uh, each other, and uh, praying for our world, Lord. And I pray that you bless our time now. In your name we pray. Amen.